0: Section One of White Nights and Other Stories by Fyodor Dostoevsky. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. White Nights A Sentimental Story from the Diary of a Dreamer by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Translated from the Russian by constance garnet recording by jennifer anne cheval first night it was a wonderful night such a night as is only possible when we are young dear reader the sky was so starry so bright that looking at it one could not help asking oneself whether ill-humored and capricious people could live under such a sky that is a youthful question too dear reader very youthful but may the lord put it more frequently into your heart speaking of capricious and ill-humoured people i cannot help recalling my moral condition all that day from early morning i had been oppressed by a strange despondency it suddenly seemed to me that i was lonely that every one was forsaking me and going away from me of course any one is entitled to ask who every one was, for though I had been living almost eight years in Petersburg, I had hardly an acquaintance. But what did I want with acquaintances? I was acquainted with all Petersburg as it was; that was why I felt as though they were all deserting me when all Petersburg packed up and went to its summer villa. I felt afraid of being left alone and for three whole days I wandered about the town in profound dejection, not knowing what to do with myself. Whether I walked in the Nevsky, went to the gardens, or sauntered on the embankment, there was not one face of those I had been accustomed to meet at the same time and place all the year. They, of course, do not know me, but I know them. I know them intimately. I have almost made a study of their faces— AND AM DELIGHTED WHEN THEY ARE GAY, AND DOWNCAST WHEN THEY ARE UNDER A CLOUD. I HAVE ALMOST STRUCK UP A FRIENDSHIP WITH ONE OLD MAN WHOM I MEET EVERY BLESSED DAY AT THE SAME HOUR IN Fantanka. SUCH A GRAVE, PENSIVE COUNTENANCE. HE IS ALWAYS WHISPERING TO HIMSELF AND BRANDISHING HIS LEFT ARM, WHILE IN HIS RIGHT HAND HE HOLDS A LONG, gnarled STICK WITH A GOLD KNOB. HE EVEN NOTICES ME AND TAKES A WARM INTEREST IN ME. If I happen not to be at a certain time in the same spot in Fontanka, I am certain he feels disappointed. That is how it is that we almost bow to each other, especially when we are both in good humor. The other day, when we had not seen each other for two days and met on the third, we were actually touching our hats, but, realizing in time, dropped our hands and passed each other with a look of interest. I know the houses, too as i walk along they seem to run forward in the streets to look out at me from every window and almost to say good morning how do you do i am quite well thank god and i am to have a new story in may or how are you i am being redecorated to-morrow or i was almost burnt down and had such a fright and so on i have my favourites among them some are dear friends One of them intends to be treated by the architect this summer. I shall go every day on purpose to see that the operation is not a failure, God forbid. But I shall never forget an incident with a very pretty little house of a light pink color. It was such a charming little brick house. It looked so hospitably at me, and so proudly at its ungainly neighbors, that my heart rejoiced whenever I happened to pass it suddenly last week i walked along the street and when i looked at my friend i heard a plaintive they're painting me yellow the villains the barbarians they had spared nothing neither columns nor cornices and my poor little friend was as yellow as a canary it almost made me bilious and to this day i have not had the courage to visit my poor disfigured friend painted the colour of the celestial empire So. NOW YOU UNDERSTAND, READER, IN WHAT SENSE I AM ACQUAINTED WITH ALL PETERSBURG. I HAVE MENTIONED ALREADY THAT I HAD FELT WORRIED FOR THREE WHOLE DAYS BEFORE I GUESSED THE CAUSE OF MY UNEASINESS, AND I FELT ILL AT EASE IN THE STREET. THIS ONE HAD GONE, AND THAT ONE HAD GONE, AND WHAT HAD BECOME OF THE OTHER. AND AT HOME I DID NOT FEEL LIKE MYSELF EITHER. FOR TWO EVENINGS I WAS PUZZLING MY BRAINS TO THINK OF WHAT WAS AMISS IN MY CORNER why i felt so uncomfortable in it and in perplexity i scanned my grimy green walls my ceiling covered with a spider's web the growth of which matrona has so successfully encouraged i looked over all my furniture examined every chair wondering whether the trouble lay there for if one chair is not standing in the same position as it stood the day before i am not myself i looked at the window but it was all in vain "'I was not a bit the better for it. "'I even bethought me to send for Matrona, "'and was giving her some fatherly admonitions "'in regard to the spider's webs and sluttishness in general, "'but she simply stared at me in amazement "'and went away without saying a word, "'so that the spider's web is comfortably hanging in its place to this day. "'I only at last, this morning, realized what was wrong. I, Why, they are giving me the slip!' and making off to their summer villas. Forgive the triviality of the expression, but I am in no mood for fine language, for everything that had been in Petersburg had gone, or was going away for the holidays. For every respectable gentleman of dignified appearance who took a cab was at once transformed, in my eyes, into a respectable head of a household, who, after his daily duties were over, was making his way to the bosom of his family, to the summer villa for all the passers-by had now quite a peculiar air which seemed to say to every one they met we are only here for the moment gentlemen and in another two hours we shall be going off to the summer villa if a window opened after delicate fingers white as snow had tapped upon the pane and the head of a pretty girl was thrust out calling to a street-seller with pots of flowers at once on the spot I fancied that those flowers were being bought not simply in order to enjoy the flowers and the spring in stuffy town lodgings, but because they would all be very soon moving into the country and could take the flowers with them. What is more, I made such progress in my new peculiar sort of investigation that I could distinguish correctly from the mere air of each in what summer villa he was living. The inhabitants of Kemeny and Abdikarsky Islands, or of the Peterhof Road. Were marked by the studied elegance of their manner their fashionable summer suits and the fine carriages in which they drove to town visitors to pargovolo and places further away impressed one at first sight by their reasonable and dignified air the trip to krestovsky island could be recognized by his look of irrepressible gaiety if i chanced to meet a long procession of wagoners walking lazily with the reins in their hands beside wagons loaded with regular mountains of furniture tables chairs ottomans and sofas and domestic utensils of all sorts frequently with a decrepit cook sitting on top of it all guarding her master's property as though it were the apple of her eye or if i saw boats heavily loaded with household goods crawling along the neva or fontanka to the black river or the islands the wagons and the boats were multiplied tenfold a hundredfold in my eyes i fancied that everything was astir and moving everything was going in regular caravans to the summer villas it seemed as though petersburg threatened to become a wilderness so that at last i felt ashamed mortified and sad that i had nowhere to go for the holidays and no reason to go away i was ready to go away with every wagon to drive off with every gentleman of respectable appearance who took a cab but no one—absolutely no one—invited me. It seemed they had forgotten me, as though really I were a stranger to them. I took long walks, succeeding, as I usually did, in quite forgetting where I was, when I suddenly found myself at the city gates. Instantly I felt light-hearted, and I passed the barrier and walked between cultivated fields and meadows, unconscious of fatigue, and feeling only all over, as though a burden were falling off my soul. All the passers-by gave me such friendly looks that they seemed almost greeting me. They all seemed so pleased at something. They were all smoking cigars, every one of them. And I felt pleased as I never had before. It was as though I had suddenly found myself in Italy. So strong was the effect of nature upon a half-sick townsman like me, "'almost stifling between city walls. "'There is something inexpressibly touching "'in nature around Petersburg, "'when at the approach of spring "'she puts forth all her might, "'all the powers bestowed on her by heaven, "'when she breaks into leaf, "'decks herself out, "'and spangles herself with flowers. "'Somehow I cannot help being reminded "'of a frail, consumptive girl, "'at whom one sometimes looks with compassion, "'sometimes with sympathetic love, whom sometimes one simply does not notice though suddenly in one instant she becomes as though by chance inexplicably lovely and exquisite and impressed and intoxicated one cannot help asking oneself what power made those sad pensive eyes flash with such fire what summoned the blood to those pale wan cheeks what bathed with passion those soft features what set that bosom heaving? What so suddenly called strength, life, and beauty into the poor girl's face, making it gleam with such a smile, kindle with such bright, sparkling laughter? You look around, you seek for some one, you conjecture, but the moment passes, and next day you meet, maybe, the same pensive and preoccupied look as before, the same pale face, THE SAME MEEK AND TIMID MOVEMENTS, AND EVEN SIGNS OF REMORSE, TRACES OF immortal MORTAL ANGUISH AND REGRET FOR THE FLEETING DISTRACTION. AND YOU GRIEVE THAT THE MOMENTARY BEAUTY HAS FADED, SO SOON, NEVER TO RETURN, THAT IT FLASHED UPON YOU SO TREACHEROUSLY, SO VAINLY. GRIEVE BECAUSE YOU HAD NOT EVEN TIME TO LOVE HER. AND YET MY NIGHT WAS BETTER THAN MY DAY this was how it happened i came back to the town very late and it had struck ten as i was going towards my lodgings my way lay along the canal embankment where at that hour you never meet a soul it is true that i live in a very remote part of the town i walked along singing for when i am happy i am always humming to myself like every happy man who has no friend or acquaintance with whom to share his joy suddenly I HAD A MOST UNEXPECTED ADVENTURE. LEANING ON THE CANAL RAILING stood A WOMAN WITH HER ELBOWS ON THE RAIL. SHE WAS APPARENTLY LOOKING WITH GREAT ATTENTION AT THE MUDDY WATER OF THE CANAL. SHE WAS WEARING A VERY CHARMING YELLOW HAT AND A JAUNTY LITTLE BLACK MANTLE. SHE'S A GIRL, AND I'M SURE SHE'S DARK, I THOUGHT. SHE DID NOT SEEM TO HEAR MY FOOTSTEPS, AND DID NOT EVEN STIR WHEN I PASSED BY WITH BATED BREATH and a loudly throbbing heart. Strange, I thought. She must be deeply absorbed in something. And all at once I stopped as though petrified. I heard a muffled sob. Yes, I was not mistaken. The girl was crying, and a minute later I heard sob after sob. Good heavens! My heart sank, and, timid as I was with women, "'Yet this was such a moment! "'I turned, took a step towards her, "'and should certainly have pronounced the word, "'Madam, if I had not known that that exclamation "'has been uttered a thousand times "'in every Russian society novel. "'It was only that reflection stopped me. "'But while I was seeking for a word, "'the girl came to herself, "'looked round, started, cast down her eyes, and slipped by me along the embankment. I at once followed her, but she, divining this, left the embankment, crossed the road, and walked along the pavement. I dared not cross the street after her. My heart was fluttering like a captured bird. All at once a chance came to my aid. Along the same side of the pavement there suddenly came into sight, not far from the girl, a gentleman in evening dress of dignified years, though by no means of dignified carriage. He was staggering and cautiously leaning against the wall. The girl flew straight as an arrow, with the timid haste one sees in all girls who do not want any one to volunteer to accompany them home at night, and no doubt the staggering gentleman would not have pursued her if my good luck had not prompted him. Suddenly, without a word to any one, The gentleman set off and flew full speed in pursuit of my unknown lady. She was racing like the wind, but the staggering gentleman was overtaking, overtook her. The girl uttered a shriek, and—I bless my luck for the excellent knotted stick which happened on that occasion to be in my right hand. In a flash I was on the other side of the street. In a flash the obtrusive gentleman had taken in the physician, had grasped the irresistible argument— fallen back without a word, and only when we were very far away, protested against my action in rather vigorous language. But his words hardly reached us. "'Give me your arm,' I said to the girl, "'and he won't dare to annoy us further.' She took my arm without a word, still trembling with excitement and terror. "'Oh, obtrusive gentleman! how I blessed you at that moment!' I stole a glance at her. She was very charming and dark.' I had guessed right. On her black eyelashes there still glistened a tear. From her recent terror or her former grief, I don't know. But there was already a gleam of a smile on her lips. She too stole a glance at me, faintly blushed, and looked down. There, you see? Why did you drive me away? If I had been there, nothing would have happened. But I do not know you i thought that you too why do you know me now a little here for instance why are you trembling oh you are right at the first guess i answered delighted that my girl had intelligence that is never out of place in company with beauty yes from the first glance you have guessed the sort of man you have to do with precisely i am shy with women i am agitated I DON'T DENY IT, AS MUCH SO AS YOU WERE A MINUTE AGO WHEN THAT GENTLEMAN ALARMED YOU. I AM IN SOME ALARM NOW. IT'S LIKE A DREAM, AND I NEVER GUESSED, EVEN IN MY SLEEP, THAT I SHOULD EVER TALK WITH ANY WOMAN. WHAT? REALLY? YES. IF MY ARM TREMBLES, IT IS BECAUSE IT HAS NEVER BEEN HELD BY A PRETTY LITTLE HAND LIKE YOURS. I AM A COMPLETE STRANGER TO WOMEN, THAT IS, I HAVE NEVER BEEN USED TO THEM. You see, I am alone. I don't even know how to talk to them. Here, I don't know now whether I have not said something silly to you. Tell me frankly, I assure you beforehand, that I am not quick to take offence. No, nothing, nothing, quite the contrary. And if you insist on my speaking frankly, I will tell you that women like such timidity. And if you want to know more, I like it too." And I won't drive you away till I get home. You will make me, I said, breathless with delight, Lose my timidity, and then farewell to all my chances? Chances? What chances? Of what? That's not so nice. I beg your pardon. I am sorry. It was a slip of the tongue, but how can you expect One at such a moment to have no desire? To be liked, huh? Well, yes but do, for goodness' sake, be kind. Think what I am. Here, I am twenty-six, and I have never seen any one. How can I speak, well, tactfully, and to the point? It will seem better to you when I have told you everything openly. I don't know how to be silent when my heart is speaking. Well, never mind. Believe me, not one woman—never, never! No acquaintance of any sort! and i do nothing but dream every day that at last i shall meet some Oh, if only you knew how often i have been in love in that way how with whom why with no one with an ideal with the one that i dream of in my sleep i make up regular romances in my dreams ah you don't know me it's true of course I have met two or three women, but what sort of women were they? They were all landladies, that. But I shall make you laugh if I tell you that I have several times thought of speaking, just simply speaking, to some aristocratic lady in the street, when she is alone, I need hardly say, speaking to her, of course, timidly, respectfully, passionately, telling her that I am perishing in solitude, begging her not to send me away saying that I have no chance of making the acquaintance of any woman, and pressing upon her that it is a positive duty for a woman not to repulse so timid a prayer from such a luckless man as me, that, in fact, all I ask is, that she should say two or three sisterly words with sympathy, should not repulse me at first sight, should take me on trust and listen to what I say, should laugh at me if she likes, encourage me, say two words to me only two words even though we never meet again afterwards but you are laughing however that is why i am telling you (laughs) don't be vexed i am only laughing at your being your own enemy and if you had tried you would have succeeded perhaps even though it had been in the street the simpler the better no kind-hearted woman unless she were stupid or still more vexed about something at the moment, could bring herself to send you away without those two words which you asked for so timidly. But what am I saying? Of course she would take you for a madman. I was judging by myself. I know a good deal about other people's lives. Oh, thank you, I cried. You don't know what you have done for me now. I am glad, I am glad. But tell me, how did you find out that I was the sort of woman with whom— "'Well, whom you think worthy—of attention and friendship. "'In fact, not a landlady, as you say. "'What made you decide to come up to me?' "'What made me?' "'But you were alone. "'That gentleman was too insolent. "'It's night. "'You must admit that it was a duty.' "'No, no, I mean before. "'On the other side. "'You know you meant to come up to me.' "'On the other side? "'Really, I don't know how to answer.' I'M AFRAID TO. DO YOU KNOW I HAVE BEEN HAPPY TODAY? I WALKED ALONG SINGING. I WENT OUT INTO THE COUNTRY. I HAVE NEVER HAD SUCH HAPPY MOMENTS. YOU? PERHAPS IT WAS MY FANCY. FORGIVE ME FOR REFERRING TO IT. I FANCIED YOU WERE CRYING, AND I COULD NOT BEAR TO HEAR IT. IT MADE MY HEART ACHE. OH, MY GOODNESS! SURELY I MIGHT BE TROUBLED ABOUT YOU. "'Surely there was no harm in feeling brotherly compassion for you. "'I beg your pardon. "'I said compassion. "'Well, in in short, surely you would not be offended "'by my involuntary impulse to go up to you.' "'Stop, that's enough. "'Don't talk of it,' said the girl, "'looking down and pressing my hand. "'It was my fault for having spoken of it. "'But I am glad I was not mistaken in you. "'But here I am home.' "'I must go down this turning. "'It's two steps from here. "'Good-bye. "'Thank you.' "'Surely, surely you don't mean "'that we shall never see each other again. "'Surely this is not to be the end.' "'You see,' said the girl, laughing, "'at first you only wanted two words, "'and now—however, I won't say anything. "'Perhaps we shall meet.' i shall come here to-morrow i said oh forgive me i am already making demands yes you are not very patient you are almost insisting listen listen i interrupted her forgive me if i tell you something else i tell you what i can't help coming here to-morrow i am a dreamer i have so little real life that i look upon such moments as this now as so rare that I cannot help going over such moments again in my dreams. I shall be dreaming of you all night, a whole week, a whole year. I shall certainly come here to-morrow, just here to this place, just at the same hour, and I shall be happy remembering to-day. This place is dear to me already. I have already two or three such places in Petersburg. I once shed tears over memories, like you. Who knows, "'Perhaps you were weeping ten minutes ago over some memory. "'But forgive me, I have forgotten myself again. "'Perhaps you have once been particularly happy here.' "'Very good,' said the girl. "'Perhaps I will come here to-morrow, too, at ten o'clock. "'I see that I can't forbid you. "'The fact is, I have to be here. "'Don't imagine that I am making an appointment with you. "'I tell you beforehand that I have to be here on my own account.' But, well, I tell you straight out, I don't mind if you do come. To begin with, something unpleasant might happen as it did to-day, but never mind that. In short, I should simply like to see you, to say two words to you. Only, mind, you must not think the worst of me now. Don't think I make appointments so lightly. I shouldn't make it, except that—but let that be my secret— "'Only a compact beforehand.' "'A compact? Speak! Tell me! Tell me all beforehand! "'I agree to anything! I am ready for anything!' I cried, delighted. "'I answer for myself. I will be obedient, respectful. You know me!' "'It's just because I do know you that I ask you to come to-morrow,' said the girl, laughing. "'I know you perfectly. But mind you will come on the condition, in the first place.' "'Only be good. Do what I ask. You see, I speak frankly. You won't fall in love with me. "'That's impossible, I assure you. I am ready for friendship. Here's my hand. But you mustn't fall in love with me. I beg you.' "'I swear!' I cried, gripping her hand. "'Hush!' "'Don't swear! I know you are ready to flare up like gunpowder. "'Don't think ill of me for saying so. "'If only you knew. "'I, too, have no one to whom I can say a word, "'whose advice I can ask. "'Of course, one does not look for an adviser in the street, "'but you are an exception. "'I know you, as though we have been friends for twenty years. "'You won't deceive me. "'will you?' "'You will see. "'The only thing is, "'I don't know how I am going to survive "'the next twenty-four hours.' "'Sleep soundly, good-night, "'and remember that I have trusted you already. "'But you exclaimed so nicely just now. "'Surely one can't be held responsible for every feeling, "'even for brotherly sympathy. "'Do you know?' that was so nicely said that the idea struck me at once that i might confide in you for god's sake do but what about what is it wait till to-morrow meanwhile let that be a secret so much the better for you it will give it a faint flavor of romance perhaps i will tell you to-morrow and perhaps not "'I will talk to you a little more beforehand. "'We will get to know each other better.' "'Oh, yes, I will tell you all about myself tomorrow. "'But what has happened? "'It is as though a miracle has befallen me. "'My God, where am I? "'Come, tell me, aren't you glad that you were not angry "'and did not drive me away at the first moment "'as any other woman would have done? "'In two minutes.' You have made me happy for ever. Yes, happy. Who knows? Perhaps you have reconciled me with myself, solved my doubts. Perhaps such moments come upon me. But there I will tell you all about it to-morrow. You shall know everything, everything. Very well, I consent. You shall begin. Agreed. Goodbye. bye Till to-morrow. Till tomorrow. And we parted. I walked about all night. I could not make up my mind to go home. I was so happy. Tomorrow. End of First Night Recorded by Jennifer Ann Chevelle Visit my YouTube channel at www.youtube.com slash Messenger Angel recorded in odenton maryland on september 7th 2010